From virtual cards to creative, positive interpretation of credit scores, the small business loans they have and connections to the people they serve, community banks go into the middle of 2021 with distinct advantages. The issue is, how do they take advantage of them? Enter experience in the form of Jerry Kraft, the CEO and co-founder of CoreServe, and we've got him here on today's episode of Bankadelic. From the studios of Karma Productions Worldwide in Chicago, this is Lou Carlozo's Bankadelic. Bankadelic, the colorful side of finance, where we supply expert views, riff on the news, innovate and investigate, actionable insights, unscripted banking with a caffeine kick. I'm your host, Lou Carlozo, inviting you to sit back, grab a cuppa, kick up your feet. Here we go. Thanks for tuning into another episode of Bankadelic. We are rolling along in 2021. And today on the podcast, we have someone who helped us usher out 2020 in style. We have Jerry Kraft. Jerry is the CEO and co-founder of CoreServe, a company that provides industry strategy and financial leadership. Jerry was previously the founder and president of Infocorp and Infobank and CEO of Wachovia's Credit Card Bank, where he led its growth from 0.25 billion to over 4 billion in credit card loans. Jerry is truly a savant of the credit card portion of financial services. I got to tell you, I'm looking forward to learning a lot. If you hear me being quiet over here, Jerry, I'm taking a lot of notes. So <laughs> okay. welcome to Bankadelic. Thank you, Lou. I am delighted to be here. So tell us a little bit about CoreServe, what it is, what you do. CoreServe provides credit card issuing for community banks. And for the over 50 years of the credit card industry, and I'm talking Visa and MasterCard in issuing, the community banks and even mid-sized banks have never been able to effectively participate. Our team, and it's real key for team, has built a system with the technology and we have the subject matter experts that has allowed us to help banks offer that service and own 100% of the P&L. I'm glad you brought that up. Take us back a little bit as you progressed to this role of industry leadership. What was it that motivated you and CoreServe as a whole to get involved in this end of things to create these positive changes? Well, the technology team has been with us for about 20 years. And few of the management team, we go back twice that. And we have built three systems before for the first almost four decades, we worked within the large banks, providing agent bank services. Some of us kind of stepped aside, retired, and then we had an opportunity for the entire tech team and the management team to come back together and do something different with 21st century technology. The technology that's available today allows us to do what we could not do for decades in this business and that is helping the smaller banks with their customers. We empower them. And they actually called me. I had retired, came out of retirement, and the tech team and the people, we know one another. We have the 30-minute conversation in 30 seconds. That's what got us together. It's a passion of mine. It's not only my profession. It's my hobby. 
and I love it. That is fantastic. That is what I love to hear. I like to think of it that way for myself as a podcaster. This is not just about financial services. It's really about being a strong advocate for an industry that, despite some of the stereotypes, does so much good for so many people. And you have been very gracious in your description of what's going on with community banks and credit cards, but some would refer to it in stronger terms. They would even say that the community banks have been overarchingly locked out of the credit card business. Tell us what you see and what you hope is going to happen as 2021 progresses from CoreServe's point of view. Well, they have been locked out from owning the business. They could participate by referring their customers to an upstream larger bank, which I actually did for almost four decades. Now we have the opportunity to where they own 100% of the interest of the fee income. And we're providing a platform that not only includes consumer. When you think of credit cards, you think of consumer first, but more of our accounts and more of our sales volume actually comes from businesses. And businesses I'll break down into two segments, the small to medium businesses, and then the corporate customers, or really it's called the commercial card. In our fastest growing area right now with our community banks are in that commercial card. And now, Lou, I have to tell you, we call it a card, but that's all wrong. It's virtual. It no longer has to be a card, and that is where it's growing, and it's e-payables. It's ghost cards. Those are the types of features and functions that the smaller banks have never had the opportunity to do. We've got over 50 team members, and we don't have any of the call center. We don't have anybody that's not exempt. It's technology exempt and management team, the disciplines of the credit card business, and we're all about it full-time. And in fact, two-thirds of our team members are in the technology phase because without that, you can't be in this business. That would be farming without automation today. Absolutely. And this degree of ghost cards and things moving into the virtual realm sounds like it could be a real equalizer for everybody. What do you see? It is. Our clients can offer their customers the same services. We have over 50 vendors we have to manage to bring this product to bear. And if you go throw that responsibility on most midsize and small banks, it's a burden that they can't do. We have about 30 banks now and the scale that we've got, the way we've built the system is to be efficient with the Visa and the MasterCard platforms. And that's what allows us to be successful. And in fact, the platform that we first built, the first of the four that we built in the mid 80s is being run by one of the three largest processors today of the credit card business. But all of those platforms still underneath have 20th century technology. It's the Java, it's the Agile, it's the digital out front, it's the user interfaces, it's the mobile that is king today. We could do three podcasts on what you know about how the technology has changed. Is there a fundamental element of this that you think requires you to evangelize to the community banks? If we take Core, for example, a lot of banks are operating on Core systems that are really, really old and need to be updated. Where might the information gaps be and what are you trying to 
share with people to encourage them to move into where technology sits today? I think the information gap is that the core systems were built over time and they have very big iron underneath and they do a lot of data, but they've got a lot of the user interfaces and a lot of the reporting are out with the banks and they don't really understand all the ways those banks are using that today. When we built that first system, we built it from the inside out. We actually had an old Bank of America, which was from the 60s accounting system with a 13 digit. We had to expand it to 16 digits and we built it from the inside out. At that point, the only people that had screens were in the call center, in collections, maybe in fraud. But today it's not the call center, it's the mobile, it's the computer. So this time when we built it, we built it from the outside in. We built everything for rich customer experiences on the outside. And then we built our own data models and we have a data model for all the credit and the credit bureau reports. We have a data model for the transactions and then all the reporting comes from us. So all of our clients see our screens, all of the account holders, I'll call them account holders instead of card holders because there's a lot of accounts that don't have cards. And all the account holders see our screens and our reporting out the back end. What we do in the middle is up to us and a challenge for us. For the core systems, they basically run the internal processing or the engine. When you go speak to a banker about a conversion, their eyes are going to glaze over because then you've got to handle it from end to end. Mm -hmm. Where we started and where we built is control all the front end, all the back end, and then it's our problem in the middle of how we process that. If you only have to use a minimum of the core, then you have the user experience you control, which community banks want to control their customers. That's how it works. I see. And I'd be remiss if I didn't also talk about bit about the performance of our portfolio. In working with banks, some banks don't have a sales culture. Some banks are more business. In fact, most commercial banks think of themselves as business, and that is the heart and core. About two-thirds of our accounts, driving about 80% of the volume, are from businesses. And you don't think of that, But if you think of community banks, the backbone of a lot of those communities are the small and medium businesses. That's who they are surviving off of today. Community banks have about 14% of the total deposits in America, but they own half of all the small to medium business loans. That's their heart and soul, and that's what we give them. In 2019, the earnings There was 24 cents of income and six cents of cash flow per dollar of loan. In 2020, in the first half with the pandemic, we saw that drop to about 4%. But in the last half of 2020, it picked back up to over 6%. And it dropped because the spend dropped. That 24 cents went from 22 because with purchases, When an account holder makes a purchase, there's called interchange income. And therefore, the income went down and the bottom line went down. Because there was a lot of government support, losses have not gone up. And I can say at the end of the year, losses have held steady. In fact, they were down a little bit from 1.8 to about 1.7 
in 2020 on the average portfolio. And our banks have a different opportunity because they know these customers. They have the deposit accounts. They're already making loans, in some cases to consumers, but in more cases to the businesses. They know who's credit qualified. And once they own the business, they can market, they can grow. And we've seen a great improvement in terms of their approach to credit cards, those that are participating. I've heard from so many people in tech that in seven months, we accelerated the equivalent of seven years. Looking into 2021 from your perch, working with the community banks, working with the technology, working with the credit cards, where do you see the most potential, the most exciting things bearing fruit? Well, it clearly is come back. And it's an uneven comeback. You still have airlines, you still have hotels, you still have entertainment that's dragging. But there are other areas that are up very much. We did add a couple new banks during 2020. But at the end of the year, in December, 23% of our purchase volume came from accounts that were open since March 1, 2020, which means during the pandemic. And most of that was business accounts not consumers. So we see the hot spot in 2021 is a further acceleration of those business accounts and the business growth, the virtual, the digital. And as you say, we fast forwarded to a lot more digital in the last 10 months since the pandemic has started. And we don't see that reverting. We might have a little blend of being able to get out of our homes, being able to go to the office, and see people, but we're going to stick to the digital means. And as we age, the elders that maybe were not as familiar with all the digital was already occurring, but we fast forwarded. And a lot of us grandparents have had to do a lot more on Zoom or other places than we might've preferred otherwise. Do you mind if I ask how many grandchildren you have? have four. And I had to get my wife put a little powder on my eye because I've got two grandsons that are three and five and I lose every time I see them. I'm beat up. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> I have two teenagers, but of course they know everything. So <laughs> why even bother to debate that? As we wrap up here, one thing I'm curious about, because you mentioned small businesses and the intimate tie that community banks have with them, it seems to me, and I'm just expressing my opinion here, that major banks have lost opportunities with small businesses, which are really the backbone of the economy, I would think, because it's a lot of work without necessarily a lot of return. But as the economy returns to normal, as many anticipate, there are going to be some incredible opportunities to serve the small business community. What, in your view, can community banks do to enhance and further that business in a way that helps everyone to win? The community bank has an advantage. Most of the small businesses are local. They know the owners. They have known the families. And in the area that I grew up, there was one general store and he knew who to lend to. He knew the families. And that's the data and the intelligence that they have. If you look at a 2012 FDIC report, 
community banks have lower losses than the big money center banks or the regional banks. And even though they don't have the sophistication, because they know the people, they know the companies, and they know their markets. That is an advantage. And what we try to do is get them to use that local knowledge that only they have, and they have the deposit accounts of those businesses. So they know the cash flow, they know who to lend to. It's the plaids of the world, it's the fintechs that are trying to get at that data. That data is valuable, and banks have not been that good at using that data to make the decisions. And I'll give you an example of with our banks, a lot of them don't know how to underwrite revolving open-ended credit. We'll give them what we call our champion model. And we go down to 640 on a FICO score today. The cutoff is 660. But what we will do is we ask for data from those banks. We say, how long have you known this person? How many products do they have? And in a range, is it $5 or 500000 and we then add points to the FICO score. And we are going down to 640 with losses of 1.8. And that's because of that value that that community bank knows. And we're trying to take advantage of both of those. That is commendably creative and concrete. The champion model, I would say, is Jerry Craft and CoreServe. And I've got to say, going out, you made such a contribution to the Bankadelic holiday extravaganza, really bringing a message of positivity and peace. I didn't get a chance to thank you for that afterwards. I am so grateful. Jerry, thank you for being on the podcast today. Thank you, Lou. I have thoroughly enjoyed it. And best wishes for a great 2021. You too. Jerry Kraft is the CEO and core founder of CoreServe. He is based in Atlanta, Georgia, the Peachtree State. You can look for Jerry on LinkedIn. Bankadelic, sponsored by the William Mills Agency. For close to 40 years, the William Mills Agency has served hundreds of companies that provide a wide range of products and services in the banking, payments, mortgage, credit union, and related markets. The William Mills Agency is the largest provider of PR and marketing services for companies that market to the financial industry. For more information, visit williammills.com. Have you thought about how you'll gain the upper hand in your search for stellar talent? Banker Hire leverages a niche industry with uncommon insight. They're committed to finding you qualified commercial and community banking, lending, compliance, HR, retail, and wealth talent. Banker Hire prides itself on listening and solving problems. Their approach is 100% hands-on and heads-up, giving you what you need to make smart, actionable decisions. For more information, visit BankerHire.com. Quantic is the adaptive digital bank that offers entrepreneurs, immigrants, millennials, low-income families, seniors, and others innovative banking products and services which embrace the diversity of circumstances that exist in the lives of customers while elevating their financial strength. For more information, visit QuanticBank.com. That's Q-U-O-N-T-I-C-Bank.com. Wow, Jerry Kraft really has it going on with CoreServe. Maybe I could compete with him. But if I had a business, what would I call it? 
Welcome to RyanServe, all the waste, none of the taste, where community banks go to restore endless paper trails. Who needs credit cards when you've got horse trading? And how about getting approved for a car loan by building the car with your own two hands? At RyanServe, friction isn't fiction, silos are boffo, and long lines are a sign of the backward times. Come visit us on our website. Oh, that's right, we don't have a website. Just look for the pile of pamphlets at the Sunday Flea Market, because that's where we'll be if you can find us. Rhyme, sir. All the waste, none of the taste. Three Bullseyes. Number one. Community banks have about 14% of the total deposits in America, but they own half of all the small to medium business loans. That's their heart and soul, and that's what we give them. Number two. In 2019, there was 24 cents of income and six cents of cash flow per dollar of loan. In 2020, in the first half, we saw that drop to about 4%, but in the last half, it picked back up to over 6%. Number three. The community bank has an advantage. Most of the small businesses are local. They know the owners, they have known the families. And in the area that I grew up, there was one general store and he knew who to lend to, he knew the families. And that's the data and the intelligence that they have. And that is an advantage. And now, lose views. I was a baseball fan when I was a kid, and there was nothing I enjoyed more than watching Nolan Ryan pitch, because even though he was advanced of years as baseball pitchers go, he had ways of outfoxing and outsmarting hitters every time he stepped onto the mound. Ditto for a pitcher like Greg Maddox, who, being a Cubs fan, I will always regret that they let him go. <laughs> but wow did he prove what was possible with age and experience. So it is with Jerry Kraft, the CEO and co-founder of CoreServe, who proved you're never too old to come out of retirement and do something brand new. That's an inspiration for me because in a few years, I'll be turning the corner towards 60 and I have no intention of quitting. I have no intention of slowing down either, though I might have to. I'll concede that to age, but really, the passion, the drive, and the experience can prove to be valuable allies. Jerry Kraft has the vision and the drive to learn new things, and that's why he's moving forward into virtual cards, but at the same time, he knows the advantages that make community banks win, and so much of it revolves around people. If you think you're too old for the game, remember guys like Nolan Ryan, Greg Maddox, and Jerry Kraft, because we can hang in there we can hang on, and we don't have to hang our spikes up just yet. Thanks for tuning in to Bankadelic. We hope you join us next time and check back in the weeks ahead as we build our podcast vault. Our producer in Chicago is Jenny Elman. Thanks again to the William Mills Agency for their generous sponsorship. Thanks to Banker Hire. Thanks also to Quantic. I'm Lou Carlozo. You can catch me on LinkedIn. And as the feds close in on me and the other wise guys, I'll be thinking. Until next time, so long.
Funkadelic is a production of NMD Plus, London, Chicago, and Austin, Texas.